at some point you have to deal with things. If not, they just they build and build and build. The inevitable was the divorce. I mean, we were going to get divorced. Fourteen months ago, if we'd have found you, I wouldn't be here where I'm at right now. Have you been wondering how to break free from the affair once and for all? Now's the time to take back your life, your emotions, find happiness, joy, and fulfillment with your marriage. HealingBrokenTrust.com is the place where you can find resources to take the healing journey to the next level. You'll find incredible resources for every stage of your affair recovery journey. Connect with our team of qualified affair recovery therapists who stay current with the ever-growing, ever-changing affair recovery research that's available to help you heal wherever you are in the process. Take our home study course focused on helping you communicate and express yourself in a way that gets you what you want. You can also book an incredible one-on-one intensive retreat where instead of dragging out the pain over months or years, you can condense the time it takes to heal in just a matter of days using scientifically proven methods that work to help couples lower their guard, let go of the fear, melt the anger, and experience each other at a deep emotional level you may have never experienced before. So what are you waiting for? Go to HealingBrokenTrust.com. But don't take our word for it. Read the client letters and listen to the reviews on the HealingBrokenTrust.com website. At the end of this episode, you'll hear directly from a couple whose relationship was transformed because they worked with Brad. So go to HealingBrokenTrust.com and we'll talk to you soon. Hello and welcome to Healing Broken Trust Podcast with your hosts, Brad and Morgan Robinson. We're excited to be here with you today to help you heal your relationship after infidelity. So Brad, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, we're going to talk about post-traumatic growth, what that is, uh, what it looks like, and how to attain it. And honestly, Morgan, I'm really excited to be talking about this. This is probably one of my top two favorite subjects in the uh, fair recovery you know discussions and this is we haven't even got to the second one yet and so we've been talking about all these things this the thing that i love probably even more than this is bonding events which we haven't talked about in any of our podcasts yet yeah and so we've i don't know what podcast number we're on we're in our 20s but here we are you know, really getting to some stuff that I, that's some of my favorite topics to talk about. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy about that. For couples to bond and go through that, yeah, those change events. Yeah, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, we are, you know, we haven't, like we said in our very first podcast that this was a radio show that we had done. Uh, and, you know, we'd edit it into a podcast format. But this is our first live um Recorded recorded podcast, right? Uh, because some of those recordings are actually like three, maybe almost four years old. By That's now. right, yeah. And so, so it's really exciting just to kind of bring you guys uh, newer information, um, you know, just different things that we haven't talked about before. And since that time, post traumatic growth and bonding events are two of my 
most favorite topics that we didn't even record anything on right. when we had the radio show. Yeah, because research and the training and all the information mm-hmm. and the knowledge just gets better and better and yeah. better. Experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And with post-traumatic growth, this is what that really is. It's It's been defined uh, as a positive change experienced as a result of the struggle with a major major life crisis or traumatic event. So it's this positive change that you experience uh, as a result of a of major pain, of major setbacks. And what's really important with this, Morgan, is to understand that the normal response for human beings when they face trauma and crisis and pain isn't to go under, but actually to become better. And the usual response is resilience and growth, not defeat in the face of adversity. And so uh, sometimes that's our normal response is to have that, you know, like to go under. Yeah. But we can uh, we can rise above it, and that's the normal response. There's right. things that we can help ourselves experience post-traumatic growth quicker so we don't have to go through all this, you know, up and down roller coaster ride, but we can get there much quicker. Right. And that's really what this whole thing's about, is getting there. Uh, so it's not something that rarely happens. It's something that, uh, it's not unusual for people to bounce back from infidelity. And to be honest with you, when two people are in my office and they want to make it work, I'm surprised when they don't make it work. Right. Like when they really want to make it work, and you know the one who had the affair has cut off the affair, and they're being honest, and the one who got betrayed is scared to trust, but they're willing to trust and willing to let their guard down again. Uh, I think people always work through those situations. Right. And so so I'm surprised if somebody doesn't work through it when you're willing to put it into work and what it takes. Yeah, so what you're saying is the norm for couples who experience infidelity that you've worked with is to rebuild with a stronger wood, to grow with deeper roots, to, to build on rock instead of on sand, right? That they're gaining that closeness, they're gaining that security with each other. Um, that they've maybe never experienced before. And so infidelity was just that catalyst that caused them to reach deeper, to grow stronger, you know, as a couple. Absolutely. And and as individuals, I imagine. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is people are tempted to throw in the towel, uh, but when they don't, they resurrect with something greater. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they rise from the ashes with some scars, of course, but also new confidence in their marriage and in themselves they could literally overcome anything as a couple. Absolutely. Which is a great place to be. Yeah. Uh, sometimes betrayal causes people to really recognize what matters in life, mm-hmm. uh, what matters to them spiritually, what mat- their marriage matters to them, time with my kids, being a better parent matters to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, people have a wake-up call with these kinds of things. It kind of can pull you out of being selfish, too, a little bit mm-hmm. more selfless mm-hmm. at the yeah. end. Yeah, well, for both spouses. Yeah. Instead of letting little things waste... Uh, their time, they found ways to spend more time with each other, and they realized if they lose their spouse, they lost everything. As a result, there's a new appreciation for their spouse. Yeah, absolutely. And so, really, this is a milestone that uh, that that a couple should shoot for. Um, that's entirely within their reach, right? It, as as you've mentioned, and we've mentioned in this podcast, creating secure emotional bonds is really the best method for preventing an affair. And it's also the best intervention for repairing your bond after betrayal. And so this post-traumatic growth is really something that you can achieve. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and let me say this too, like part of those, um, you know, securing emotional bonds, how, and we're going to talk about this later, uh, and really listen for that because this is, it's one podcast you don't want to miss. It's one episode you don't want to miss. And I think, honestly, it's probably going to be the most important topic that we discuss. Right. Uh, because it's really going to talk about how to really gain lasting healing long-term, uh, you know, being transparent. You have, Those are early steps that you have to have so you can, you know, get out of the discovery phase and get into the trust-building phase of a relationship. Right. So you got to be, you know, transparent. you got to be honest and open. But that alone doesn't cause people to truly heal. And what people need to heal is they need to go to the depth of their vulnerability and just be emotionally naked and say, here I am with all my blemishes. Here I am emotionally naked with you. You know, do you still want me? Do you still like me? Um, and then for their spouse to be able to respond to that yeah, in a yeah. loving, healing, caring yeah. way. And that's what brings about the true uh, change. And there's different three different areas that takes place in. Uh, and a lot of people find it very hard to do on their own. So we always recommend working with a marriage counselor. We've got location two locations in Oklahoma. You're welcome to fly out and visit with us or, you know, visit our therapist in Oklahoma City, uh, the team out there. These are folks that are trained in how to help couples work through this. And, of course, you can find out more information at healingbrokentrust.com for, yeah. for that. But um, we're not trying to sell you on no, that. No, not moment, at all. But, but I, want to, I want you guys to be aware of that. Right. Because there is something that's kind of a next level deeper that I'm shocked that nobody really talks about. Right. You know, some of the best-selling books on infidelity, nobody really talks about that. And so... In fact, we haven't talked about it so far. Right, going to come yeah, to visit bonding us. Events. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm talking about bonding events. Oh, too. bonding events, yeah. You know, but post-traumatic growth isn't something that's rare. It's actually very frequent, but it isn't something that happens on its own. Right. So we have to work with it. Yeah. You know, we must put ourselves in a position to bounce back from adversity. We must do the right things to rise from this crisis, and that's what this podcast has always been about. It's about giving you the necessary tools to bounce back and experience post-traumatic growth. Absolutely. And so many times the door to growth in life is also the same path that's marked with suffering, right? So we kind of have to go through the fire to to be refined in some ways. Mm-hmm. Pain is what causes us to change and change for the better, right? It, it's always kind of uncomfortable to, to make that change and and. You know, but but that's how we make the change is going through it, mm-hmm. not trying to avoid it because that's when we we start to get depressed or we get mm-hmm. anxious or we get angry. We mm-hmm. if we push away the the change or mm-hmm. the you know yeah absolutely the like, feelings yeah you got to ask yourself like what am I supposed to learn from this right you know what uh, how can this make me a better person how can I always like to I may be getting ahead of myself but I always like to ask myself like how can I not let this suffering go to waste. Like, how can I capitalize on this? And we were just talking about that this morning with something else completely different. Uh, but just something in our lives, like, you know, if we're going to go through this experience again. What can we learn from it? What can, how can, let's reflect on this and discuss it and write down our conclusions so that we don't make the same mistakes again. And you have to do that to experience post-traumatic growth because it's not always automatic. It's normal to experience it, and you can experience it. Even if you're in hell right now, but you've got to work with you got to work with it to get there. It's not something that happens on its own. Mm-hmm. And so, something that I learned uh, that helped me, you know, build resilience. And when I'm facing adversity, is oftentimes I'll think back to the story of Joseph in the Bible. 
remember the first time I heard about that. I think I might have been a teenager. Uh, maybe heard it when I was younger. But I remember this, hearing the story of Joseph in the Bible where he uh, he gets sold into slavery uh, by his brothers. They grew, they grew tired of him. He was kind of a prideful young man. He was his dad's favorite. And his dad let everybody know about it. And he ends up in uh, Egypt after spending time in their prison. He becomes a high-ranking member of their government. And it's at that point he sees his brothers again who betrayed him. There was a famine that caused many people to starve in that region, and Joseph was in charge of managing the food supplies. And close to the end of Joseph's life, he was in a position to kill his brothers, but he did something remarkable instead. He forgave his brothers, and this is what he said. And I, th I think this is the, one of the most profound things written on the whole Bible. He said, this is what Joseph said to his brothers, When you sold me into slavery, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today from the famine that occurred. And so I think it's really important, like Joseph was saying, you know, if we could bring that into kind of maybe more modern vernacular, he was saying, you guys meant it for evil. What you intended to do was to kill me or murder me or just get you out of your life. Or hurt me. You hurt me beyond yeah. repair. And sometimes that's what people do when they betray their spouses. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's the deepest wound I think people can go through. And... You know, I've talked about how I've had people who've been shot at before. Uh, I've had people who've gone through all kinds of ridiculous situations who've consistently said being betrayed by their spouse was the worst thing they ever went through. And so anyway, back, to, you know, but what this is saying is, is you meant it for evil, uh, but God meant it to bring about greater good. Right. And I think that's a key reason that we suffer. And I'm not a theologian. And obviously there's people listening with different beliefs than us. We respect those beliefs. Absolutely. Or no beliefs at all, and that's fine too. Uh, but you have to have a belief that life is happening for you, not against you. Right. And you have to believe that things are working for good and they're moving you towards your goals, even when it feels like a setback. You have to really believe that. Absolutely. Because if you do, post-traumatic growth is going to be easier. Uh, one of the wrong conclusions to make is to uh, close your heart up after you get betrayed. Right. Naturally, you're not going to trust your spouse. Sometimes people do the most hellacious things when they betray their spouse, involved in so much deception. That's going to be normal to not trust your spouse again. Absolutely. I'm not saying be an idiot and just blindly trust your spouse again. Use your own common sense. But what I'm trying to say is if don't, don't kind of assign the whole world as... Uh, Cursed, cursed, or broken, or fallen, or you can't trust anybody else again. Uh, when I got betrayed before I met Morgan, I had learned the long lesson, the wrong lesson from that betrayal. I had uh, said, you know what? I put all my eggs in one basket. I don't need to ever really give my heart to someone ever again completely. You know, I need to kind of keep a little bit back for myself. I learned, the, I learned the wrong lesson in that, and you know, it's only later that I. You know, after kind of doing this for a living, that I kind of realized, you know what? There's still part of me that I kind of held back, and I gotta gotta recognize that. Uh, but that was a wrong lesson to learn, and so people oftentimes learn lessons like that. And I think that's the wrong lesson to learn. So anyway, you've got to have this belief, no matter what your spiritual values are or your beliefs are. You've got to come to the place where you realize life is happening for me to move me towards my goals, and it's happening. Um, 
to make me better and to bring about good in my life and good in the lives of others. Right. So I, I'm going to take this opportunity to, while I'm hurting, yes, I'm hurting, but I'm going to take this opportunity to grow and to find the silver lining no matter how hard. You know, and in, in if you have the days where you don't feel like there's anything good, don't worry. It takes some effort. It takes some time. You're, you know, if you if you have a terrible, terrible day, just take it. Okay, it's just a terrible day. Tomorrow will be better. I'll, you know, and you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps in some ways emotionally, and just say, you know what, this is a bad day. It's going to be a bad day today. That's okay. And it's but, okay to have bad days. Yes, that's normal. Absolutely. And, and let me say this, Morgan. Yeah. Because we're not talking about wishful thinking right. or, or shoving a, down or, yeah, or having like, yeah, or shoving down feelings or denying reality or, you know, things like that. What we're talking about is it's more of a choice. I'm choosing to look at things this way yes. and believe that eventually good's going to come out of this. Yes. Because when I got betrayed, I did not see any good coming out of that. I had put on about 30 pounds in 10 months. I did not see how anything positive was going to come out of this. At that point in my life, you know, I wouldn't during marriage counseling, obviously, I wasn't helping couples yet, but I didn't even see how, you know, I can see God's hand now in it. Like, uh, yeah, what do you, you know, see? I mean, look what I do now it's for true. a living. Like, right. I'm an international expert on betrayal and helping people work through it. But if I didn't have that experience and didn't really know what it felt like myself, I would, I think I would severely lack a lot of the compassion and empathy, empathy yeah. of what it's like. Because it, it just, Part of you dies when you go through stuff like that. Right. And it took me a while to fully get that back. Uh, I was arrogant. I didn't go do therapy like I needed to. I was worried about what they were going to tell me. That I, somehow I had, it was based on my childhood. You know, like, because your parents divorced. That's why this bother, bothers you so much. And, you know, so I was worried about, you know, what the therapist would think of me. Uh, that I didn't go get the help that I needed. Right. And, um... And a lot of people do that, but this is definitely an appropriate time to go get help. This is almost like a personal 9-11 or a personal terrorist attack. This is something that nobody would question you if you went to therapy after a terrorist attack. Right. Like the people in 9-11 and the, how god-awful and terrible that was, nobody looks at them and says, you're weak for going to talk to somebody no. or you're weak to go get help. But this is the same thing. Like you're not weak to go talk to a therapist you're not weak to go see mar a marriage counselor. It's a totally appropriate time to do it. And so go. like yeah. Because part of therapy is part of how you get to that post-traumatic growth. And so yeah. I'm getting a little off our notes, so let me get back to our notes. But one of the things that typically people have to have to achieve, to, to achieve post-traumatic growth is really develop their spiritual roots. So you got to develop your spiritual roots, whatever they are. Because that sometimes enables us to see a larger picture. It allows us to see a grander plan. My mother, she had cancer. Just It just came back this past maybe 18 months. And she tripped and fell in the shower and hurt herself, hurt herself pretty, pretty bad. But she uh, went to the doctor. She's approaching 70, so she went to the doctor, got it checked out. And it turns out, they did some scans, and it turns out the cancer, the breast cancer that she had, uh, 10 years ago had maybe nine or ten years ago had returned and it actually had spread to her lungs right and they had they wouldn't have known that had had she not fallen in the shower yeah and, had she not fallen in the shower and kind of bruised the rib and so you know that's kind of a microcosm that's obviously not maybe your story 
your story is my spouse has cheated on me or it's I've cheated on my spouse and I might have done it multiple times or they might have done it to me multiple times. But you've got to believe that there's something greater working on your behalf. You know, there's God. There's a, there's He's working on your behalf to bring about good. And so my mother gets gets it checked out and they're able to give her some drugs some, and they're making a lot of really good advances with cancer now. Uh but if she hadn't found that, she she didn't trip and fall. She might be dead right now. Yeah, that's very true. You know, and we just we just had our first child. Uh, that would have been really sad. But yeah, it would have been terrible. Yeah, uh, and, and so like you may be at home thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe they caught me cheating, or they caught me in the sly, or they saw these text messages, and it's like it's very embarrassing and it's very hurtful. And you may be thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my life is over. But, you know, if you talk to someone on the other side of the healing process, they'd say, well, thank God that yeah. they found these these text messages. You know, I wish I had, you know, told them myself, but uh, thank God they found this because now I have this weight lifted off of me. We can actually start rebuilding the marriage. They're actually, you know, so it doesn't seem like it's this wonderful gift, but yeah, in the end. Absolutely. You know, and you got to have a long-term perspective with this. Right. Like... Because for several years, I did not even see, like, what's the plan with me getting betrayed. Right. You know? And not everybody who gets betrayed is going to turn out to be a marriage counselor. But you have to have an other's focus to get off, you know, some Tony Robbins, I like that guy. He says that, you know, you're really, the root of your suffering is that you're too focused on yourself. Mm -hmm. So go out and help other people. You know? A lot of, I think a lot of suffering happens to actually help us love better. Yeah. You know, Jesus taught us to love our neighbor as ourself. I think a lot of suffering happens because it's really meant to make us more compassionate and empathetic right. and love other people more. Yeah, and what is depression? It's anger turned inwards, yeah. right? Well, if we can pull out of ourselves and we can go and look at other people, maybe you maybe you start focusing on your kids, you know, how are they feeling during this time? Focusing on maybe volunteering or kind of getting out there and and you know, loving others like Brad is saying it can really do a lot to pull you out of the depression, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's one idea. Yeah. And so, you know, let me get back to our notes. Right. Kind of getting off a little bit. But, yes. Uh, so the people who are able to bounce back and experience post-traumatic growth, uh, they're able to see the good that has been produced by their suffering. They may not be able to see it right away because of the pain and the trauma of the betrayal is too great. But they know that they are suffering because it's for the greater good and unseen forces are working on their behalf. Mm-hmm. As crazy as it sounds, when I experience setbacks or failure, and I don't do this always as quickly as I would like, but something I have tried to make it a habit of is to say to myself over and over again, this is good. Because it allows yes. me to see my options. Yes. Because, if, because you can get stuck in a negative situation and just see... Um, all crumbling. Well, you just see your focus on the failure. Yeah. You know, and what you're focused on is going to determine your attitude and the mood you're in. And and again, sometimes some hurts are just so big. And most people who get betrayed, I would probably say 99.9% of them are not able to say, to do what I just mentioned. So if you can't do that, that's okay. Like one of you maybe listening can do that. You know, we've got uh, a lot of people listening to us all over the world. And so if you can't do that, that's okay. Just, but, but try to get to that point eventually where you can say, you know what, this has been a good thing for us. This has been a good thing for me. You know, even if it's kind of tearing your family apart, you've got to have, you know, 
see the good in the situation, uh, focus on the good. Uh, but you also have to, and we haven't discussed, well, I think I did, but you've got to talk to somebody about this stuff to really get the full effect of post-traumatic growth. Right. Like you've got to do work on yourself. And that's something that I've had to do uh, to work through hurts I've experienced. Mine, me as well. Yeah, yeah Morgan, you've had to do that. Yeah. And even if, even if in the beginning it's, this is good, I woke up this morning, this is good, I've gotten up out of bed this morning, I am on my feet this morning, you know, I'm eating breakfast, yes, this is good. Like, even the small things, start with the small things, you know, I'm not crying this very moment, this is good, right? Like, thinking about those moment-by-moment situations, because, you know, life may not feel good, but you woke up this morning, so yeah. that's good. Yeah, Morgan, something yes. you know, that we talk about often is when we're going through something bad, obviously, you know, like, you know, this is good, but it's that idea of let's not let the suffering go to waste. Right. Like, what can we learn from this? Let's talk about it. Let's write down our conclusions. Let's type it up mm-hmm. so that I'll keep it and kind of be able to reflect on it and go back to it. Because it's like, what am I supposed to learn out of this? You know, right. what is God trying to tell me through this? And what you meditate on most of the time is what mm-hmm. you kind of bring about in your day, you know. So renewing your mind with some truth is, is yeah. really helpful. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think an attitude like that yeah. lends itself to post-traumatic growth. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so we're not trying to offer up cliches, um, but things like what we're talking about here have, have really helped us. Um, and so uh, actually it was over a year ago that we had went on vacation with your dad and um a couple of years ago that's right a few bet years oh dear years. Lord, has it been that long yeah. time my goodness time flies and uh we took him along because he was you know just getting older and um we wanted to make some memories before he passed and um uh, the first day on the trip he shared with us that he um had bladder cancer right he was well he started to pee blood that's right and he showed me his urine and this is a little disgusting yeah, it's but it gross. looked like pink lemonade you could see like flesh coming through his urine yeah and it looked like part of the you know lemonade and so obviously our vacation after wasn't that, very relaxing yeah it wasn't very relaxing yeah. at all and my dad at that age was 74 went through two rounds of chemo and they didn't think he was going to make it i really thought my dad was going to die yeah and so he eventually had to have his bladder removed and that whole process lasted about a year very scary for us i didn't want to let the suffering go to waste so i took this as an opportunity to grow from it and I wanted to learn something from this. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that was, you know, I need to have an active and healthy lifestyle myself. I went up to where he was getting chemo at, and everybody in there was overweight that day. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, and I'm not a cancer expert, but from my understanding is that most individuals who tend to get cancer tend to be more overweight and obese. And so it made me really take my health as a priority. My dad had been... Uh, Green Beret Special Forces, and I was a few years older than him, you know, right. uh, by the time he had gotten out. And so, but I was in a completely different physical shape than him. And this is him at 74, you know, overweight. And this is me and my, you know. His age back when he got out of Green Beret. Yeah, Parade. yeah. He's like tip top shape, physically fit. And I'm like couch potato, mm-hmm. you know, don't really do anything physically. And but that led me to changing, changing my habits, and it resulted in me. Losing 35 pounds. Yeah, because you're thinking, oh my gosh, he was like way in better shape when he was my age. Yeah. And I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, I'm only going to get worse if I let it go down. If I don't path. do anything, yeah. yeah. There, there has to be an intervention. Yeah. And so 
you know, for and that was a good experience for my dad. It helped him grow spiritually in a way that he never had before. It was a good experience for me health-wise. Uh, in some ways, it was a good thing for our relationship because I got to talk to him about things I probably never would have talked to him about. And so, but it gave me a new perspective, you know, in life. It made me want to be here for my own kids. Uh, it was a wake-up call. You know, post-traumatic, That's those are some examples of my own life uh, with my dad. You know, the whole thing that I became you know, becoming a marriage counselor, working with infidelity. I don't think I, I don't think this podcast would be here had I not gotten betrayed. I wouldn't have been fascinated by betrayal. You know, um, this is really interesting. As you're talking about your story, it might be good for me to share sure. a piece of my story because I was also betrayed, you know, a while back. And, you know, I've had to think and think through, well, how did I gain any post-traumatic growth from that? But I do realize now that, sure, I, I experienced a lot of shame a lot of personal shame, and um, and I remember my my self esteem just was shot. It was in the toilet, and I um. But looking back now, I think you know what? I dumped him. I broke up with him, even though he had cheated on me, and I didn't realize you know that I walked out that day when he got angry and um, whatever. So at that moment, I was able to stand up for myself in a way that I hadn't been able to stand up for myself before. And so I didn't realize it at that time. I didn't see that there was some kind of strength there that I was learning and gaining. But many years later, which is now, I can look back and say, you know what? I learned to put my foot down and value myself Mm -hmm. in a way that I hadn't really valued myself. Mm -hmm. And so you can maybe say, that that's that's a post-traumatic growth experience. I mean, I had a lot of growing to do after that, but um, but that was the first step to me saying, you know what, I'm not going to accept this. I'm not going to accept being treated like this. Well, it's going to be the first time that you really recognize that it's okay to stand up for your needs. Yes. And assert yourself right. in that way. Absolutely. And have healthy boundaries. And of course, we weren't married. It was a dating relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that just dumping someone is not necessarily the easiest um, and, and, or the right choice for everyone. Yeah. You were right. You it, were much younger than you are much, now. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, different situation, different stage of life. Right. Uh, you probably weren't as attached as you would be to somebody that you're married. Right. To. I didn't have children with the person. Yeah. It wasn't anything like that. So I don't suggest people to just drop them and walk out the door because that's not your situation all the time. It may be, you may be a different situation, but the point that is you can stand up for yourself and stand up for what you need and stand up for your self-worth and stand up for what matters to you, which is your health, emotional health, physical health, mental health, and say, you know what, I'm not going to accept this. And if you want this relationship to work, if you want this to work, I'm going to I'm going to put my foot down and say, we need counseling, we need I need this, I need that, because sometimes people just don't know how to do that. And maybe this Maybe you're like me. Maybe this is a moment for you to step up and and start deciding what you want and need in the relationship and asking for it. And again, you might need help to do that. So yeah, I mean, don't go this alone. I mean, just right. our. I think our podcast is fantastic. I think what we talk about is stuff I really you know believe in. And it's going to help you, even if you're yeah. in counseling. And go to our website. Yeah, go, we have resources. Yeah, there. we got great stuff. Right. It's really stuff that we spend a lot of time putting our heart and soul into. Great. It's great, but I'm just saying that to illustrate the importance of going and talking with somebody who knows your situation, who's familiar with betrayal, how to heal from infidelity, 
uh, who can work with you guys as a couple, if that's an option for you, mm-hmm. uh, go do that because that's so important. And that's how post-traumatic growth comes about in the long run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, I know <laughs> this is something just I'm sure is on a ticker tape going through your mind, but uh, some of you might be thinking, Brad, you're nuts. Morgan, you're nuts. You don't know my situation. The person who betrayed me should be executed. I mean, sometimes you just might be really angry and I totally understand. Well, yeah, and sometimes people who betray their spouses yeah. are really bad people. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can be really... But that's not everybody. Yeah, that's not. And sometimes we feel like they're a psychopath. They're not really a psychopath. We're you just know, hurting. They, yeah, we're just hurting. Yeah. Or they're narcissistic and they're not really a narcissist. But the thing is, is this post-traumatic growth stuff works regardless of your situation. Right. It's a it's a belief. It's an attitude. Yeah. Whether it's, you stay together or not. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It, but if you do stay together, it's something that uh, will make your relationship stronger. It's uh, it's really having one of those strong marriages um, where you uh, feel emotionally safe and secure with each other. Okay, so let's get to this kind of in a nutshell. What does it take to get to post-traumatic growth, Brad? Okay, what it takes to get to post-traumatic growth is it's really a belief. It's it's a belief that life happens for you, not to you. Okay. It's a belief that when you suffer and you go through things, that greater good is coming out of it. It's a belief that setbacks are actually leading you towards your goals. Okay. So it's worth repeating. It's a belief that life happens for you, not to you. It's a belief that uh, when you suffer, when you go through painful things, that greater good is coming out of that. It's greater good for you, greater good for other people, but ultimately greater good. And it's a belief that setbacks, failures, uh, pain are all moving you towards your goals in life. Right. You have to have that kind of belief so that you can start doing the things that are necessary to overcome this kind of trauma. This is, again, the hardest thing that people go through. Uh, that attitude shift. Yeah, it's yeah. that attitude shift. And I want to quote, going out of this podcast, I want to quote the founder of Domino's Pizza. I'm reading his biography called Pizza Tiger. Don't ask me why I'm reading it. <laughs> I know it's random. You'd, you'd, you'd be sh- surprised at the stuff I read. Yeah. Um, He's been really loving it. He reads well, it's me a great book. quotes from it all the time. It's a great book. What I like about the book... Uh, and it was written, I think, in 86. And what I like about the book, and it's random, because Domino's, <laughs> I don't even know how popular they are anymore as a pizza chain. <laughs> you know, but the guy became a billionaire. I'm really impressed with the things that he's doing now. Uh, he's pledged to give away all of his money. Mm-hmm. He's doing it to some great causes. And Founder I, of, one of the founders of Ave Maria yeah, University. Yeah, right? Ave Maria University. Mm-hmm. He, uh, But what's really great is his book, he's talking about all his failures. And you can see... Ultimately, unabashedly, too. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very transparent and very open. Yeah. But all these failures, you know, I'm getting a, he's living through this, and you're like, holy crap, he almost lost his company twice. He uh, almost goes bankrupt twice. Some serious setbacks. And one of them is his attitude on failure is really revealing, and it's what allowed him to experience post traumatic growth. And this is what he says, and we'll close with this. He said, Failure is how we learn. Failure strengthens you to find the seed of benefit that every adversity contains. Your greatest strength is to turn adversity into advantage. Every time you suffer a setback, ask yourself, how can I turn this into something good? Yeah, it's good. So I might say that one more time because people may be driving. Failure is how we learn. Failure strengthens you 
to find the seed of benefit that every adversity contains. Your greatest strength is to turn adversity into advantage. Every time you suffer a setback, ask yourself, how can I turn this into something good? And that, my friends, is how you do post-traumatic growth. Absolutely. At some point you have to deal with things. If not, they just they build and build and build. The inevitable was the divorce. I mean, we were going to get divorced. Fourteen months ago, if we'd have found you, I wouldn't be here where I'm at right now. Yeah. You know, I'd I went three months, I couldn't work. I couldn't sleep. I wow. I cried every night. I was wow. depressed. I couldn't yeah. eat. Uh, health started going downhill. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't put it in a box and let it just let God take care of it. Yeah. You have to deal with your problems. Yeah. You don't deny them. Yeah. Jim, did you feel like the other help that you got was it was dismissive of where you were coming exactly. from? That's the best way to explain it. Dismissive. It was dismissive. Yes. It was... Yes. You know, were you, are you going to cheat on me again? Oh, okay, you're not. Jim, you got to be satisfied with that. Yeah, that that's what they of, told me. That was one of the words, you have to be satisfied with that. Yeah, I've heard that before from other people. Yeah. You just got to let go. You can't build trust back on that. Yeah. Because when this happens, you feel so alone. And the main thing, and this is, this is what impressed me about you, you listened. You listened to my needs, and then we started chiseling away at those things. Jim, you actually felt like you were getting somewhere. This this guy knows what he's talking about. Proactive and reactive was is the best way to describe how I felt yeah. about yeah. you know your yeah. actions. They were proactive, yeah, and you were reactive to my needs. Yeah, Jim, I remember first time I met you we met for three hours yes and you really how was how did that time go the first time you met it seemed like 15 minutes but I walked into your office I was it was either come to your office or go see my attorney and get the divorce paper started yeah I mean I was ready to move on with my life yeah I had had enough of feeling like this every day yeah explain that what happens after an affair is made known? The person who's been betrayed many times develops symptom of, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. It's very traumatic. That's something that happens when somebody's been raped, a victim of uh, or survived a war or battle, uh, natural disaster, an auto accident, witnessed somebody die in front of them. This is all. This happens when infidelity occurs. And what happens is it's very traumatic. There's not very many people who are skilled and that know how to help people through this, who know how to give hope, who know how to paint a roadmap, and who have experience in helping couples through this. And kind of what I've been talking about with Jim is Jim is, I'm the third therapist that Jim has been to, third counselor that Jim's been to, and this he went to these counselors more in the beginning of the process. Is mm-hmm. that right, Jim? Very beginning. And and now, 14 months later, never got anywhere with it. And Jim is finally... just created more questions. Just creating more questions, more turmoil, coming closer to divorce. I want this to end. 
and Jim found me online and for the first time has hope and relief and knowing that it feels like things are better, things are getting better. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. Jim got stuck into a 14 month holding period because nobody gave him any good advice. They were dismissive of where he's coming from and basically told him just to shut up and get be quiet to go along. Accept it and move on with your life. Just accept it and move on. And Jim, you found somebody who actually knew what they were talking about, knew how to deal with it, and we've done more in the last month. The trauma, the, the, the first thing, and you said that to begin with. We have to deal with the trauma of this. That's so misdiagnosed. People don't understand the level of trauma that this creates. Yeah. It affects every aspect of your life. Yeah, it does. Jim, you, yeah, I like what you said earlier, just as far as the detail you gave, I like what you said. Sleep, eating, you know, every area of my life. Yeah. Work, you know, everything. It, yeah. There wasn't any... Um, it was overwhelming. That's a good way to describe it. It is. It's overwhelming. I, mean, I just went through 14 months of hell. Yeah. Through this, I've learned more about who my wife is. So I know better how to understand her mm. and deal with issues in the, that we have in the future. Mm. I can be more proactive towards our relationship instead of reactive to our relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jim, let me ask you, with um, what kind of help did you get along the way? Because it was four, you found out about fourteen oh, we've months bought, ago. Oh, we bought every book published. I've read almost every piece of information on the internet, but it's different at three o'clock in the morning, with your eyes bloodshot and tears running down your face, trying to read and digest this information. You're, it's the third person effect going on. You're still alone. You're sitting in a dark room. You're looking at a computer screen. There's no personal feelings whatsoever being transferred. Mm -hmm. um, your body language, your tone sets the stage for a mm -hmm. harmonious transaction between your patients and yeah. yourself. The first thing you told us is, is you're not a judge. You're not here to beat people up. You're a referee. You're here to make sure that, that information that we need to know gets out there without anybody's feelings getting hurt or nobody fighting. Yeah, I remember I remember with your wife, I wanted to really make drive it home that I'm going to be fair with her. Yep, yep. you I did remember, that at every meeting. Yeah, I really wanted yep. to let her know because uh, she's more, she's just a more timid type person. And I didn't want her to feel like she was being dominated. I wanted to set the stage that yep. we're gonna, this is going to be a respectful process. Give me feedback because I don't want to be disrespectful either. Good marriage counseling requires that. Uh, it's very important. And I think... Uh, and I think that's, that's the misperception that people go in to counseling. The, the affected party is looking for vindication like you talked about earlier, the willingness to forgive is the ability to quit punishing that person, okay? And when you go into marriage counseling, I think all of us are looking for 
hey, this guy's going to be on my side. This person's going to be rooting for me. I got him in my corner. Let's beat her up and let's find some answers or beat him up and find some answers. You know, that didn't take place. What took place was a, a very comfortable place to be able to communicate very emotional things. Yeah, so Jim, you were thinking, this is going to be, he's going to tell me I'm right, that I have the right to leave her, that I'm this, that I'm that. Yeah, I, that's what I was looking for the first time here, was you to say, yeah, Jim, you're right, go get a divorce. This is that, was it, that was what I prayed would come out of your mouth. Oh, wow. What did you find instead? Compassion, understanding, uh, I don't know the word I could really want to use here. It's a harmony. It we took chaos and kind of harmonized it a little bit to where we could do the tough things we needed to do. Let those emotions out. Dig for what we needed. Tell the truth. Be honest. Start building the trust back. I needed hope. You know, yeah. I'm, I've gotten hope. Yeah. I know that yeah. I know that things are much better. Oh, you didn't try to talk me out of anything. Yeah. You said let's think about this. Not you're going to. It's let's think about this. Yeah. Jim with um, So you you were kind of expecting me to be more of a judge kind of not a referee or a not a mediator or a peaceful not a healer maybe it's the right way to say it not somebody who's a healer but somebody who's I was looking for a judge jury and an executioner say when I walked in yep yeah yeah Jim how do you how do you feel about the blueprint to healing that we've had well you gave us a really good path that we were going to take to start with you sat down and, and explained the steps listen to me diagnose the issues that were the most pressing to me in the beginning and said this is what we've got to attack first second and third if we don't attack this we can't go to two we don't do two in the right order we can't go to three and we're going to deal with each one of these issues. And we did. It worked perfectly. Yeah, so it's... Before, when we went to other counselors, we didn't have the... There was no path. There was no process. It's, don't do it again, let's pray about it. Yeah. And it, and Jim, it was even... They would ask your wife, are you going to do this again? And she responded, no, I'm not. And then... He says they they come back and like see everything's everything's healed, God takes care of everything. And they, yeah. And they expected you to be okay. Yeah, Jim. One of the things you you mentioned earlier was they expected you to uh, bury kind of put all these. Yeah, told me I need to forget about it. That I needed I needed to to take these negative emotions, put them in a box, take them outside, bury them, and just just that stuff's. God will take care of that. Just go on with your life now. Yeah. Yeah. And and that never got you any closure. Oh, no. It made things worse. Life is a wonderful thing. Get out there and live it. Going through this 
is an existence. It's a very miserable existence at most. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim, you, for 14 months, I wasn't able to live. No, I I I lived in a miserable existence of a life, and it it was unnecessary, you know. I because we didn't find the right people to help us. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you coming to me. I appreciate the help. Yeah, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking the time to to do this this audio recording. Been a pleasure.